Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you, team. Sweet. Hey, welcome to Renovate. How you guys doing? Good. Man, it is so sweet to get to worship with y'all. It really is. Uh, We are jumping into this next uh, part two of this series that we're in uh, for this entire semester to know and be known. And so uh, tonight we're going to be in Genesis chapter two. So grab your Bibles and and flip there. Uh, It's an easy find. It is literally the second chapter in the entire Bible. Um, One of the perks of getting to be a pastor is uh, I get to officiate people's weddings. And it's a huge honor. And it's this really cool and humbling and sweet thing that I get to be a part of. But sometimes what happens uh, is really sweet because I get like these really cool kind of free vacations out of doing people's weddings. And so uh, shout out to Will McPhee, right? Four years ago, this buddy of mine, Will, got married. And so he flew me to Southern California and I got to do his wedding for free and brought my wife and he put me up in a hotel. And then when he went to his honeymoon, I stole his Tahoe and I just drove around California for three days and then left it at the airport. And I don't know if I ever got him his keys back, um, but that's the kind of stuff you get to do as a pastor and you get immunity. So sorry about that, Will. Uh, but last year, uh, I did a wedding in San Francisco. And so it was this really sweet couple and I got to fly out to San Francisco and, and they were so generous and kind of took care of all those expenses and brought Danielle, my wife. And, and after the wedding, uh, we were like, man, this was really sweet. Let's just enjoy California for a couple of days. And so we decided we're gonna drive down the Pacific Coast Highway and just check out the Pacific Ocean and, and live it up in our, in our little rental car. And so we did that. And so we drove down and uh, there was this spot I had Googled. I was like, okay, we're not really spending much money. And this is, was such a blessing to us. So I'm going to take Danielle to this super fancy pants place to eat dinner right on the ocean that overlooks the ocean. That's just really, really bougie. And so I take her there, but we didn't have any like fancy clothes. We'd already used up. Like I have one pair of fancy clothes and I used it for the wedding. And so I was out of fancy clothes. And so we were like, okay, um, there's one card you play if that's the case. So if you're in the jeans and t-shirt and that's all you got, and you're walking into a place that gazillionaires eat constantly, and it's all really fancy, then you play the t-shirt jeans card like a billionaire. That's the move. That's the move for you guys. You just have to work it. You just have to be confident that like you look like, not that you got your clothes from Walmart, but you look like you're that rich, you don't care. And so with Danielle and I, we pull up to this super bougie spot that's way out of our league. We're like, we're doing it. And we're like, hey, here's the deal. And we made a pack, true story. We're gonna go in there and we're gonna be confident. We're gonna pretend like we belong at this restaurant. We don't, we definitely don't. We're gonna pretend that we do. And we're gonna have a good, sweet date and we're gonna talk and about feelings and those kind of things that you do on dates. But every time the waiter comes by, no matter where we are in the conversation, we are just gonna mid-sentence stop whatever genuine conversation we're having and just talk about really bougie things so the waiter hears us. 
And so we were like, yes, that's what we're doing. And so that's what we did. We got a seat like right on this big glass wall that overlooks the Pacific Ocean. And, and we're sitting there eating our bread, just like it's going out of style. And we're talking about, you know, the fact that my brother changed his Netflix password. And now we got to figure out how to afford Netflix. And we'll have to like start getting non-name brand toilet paper to create budget for Netflix. And, you know, she's out of mascara. And so like, we're going to have to find a CVS or a Walgreens soon and maybe get some mascara. And the waiter walks up and we're like, yeah. So I told Debbie she could come on my yacht, but she is not bringing Philippe. Oh, oh, hey, how are you? You know, the waiter's there. And we're like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, great. He's taking our wine order. And then, of course, we're going to, like, find the cheapest glass of wine ever. But here's what we play it like. We play it like, oh, yeah, isn't that, isn't that Jen's uncle? Doesn't he own that vineyard? You know what? Let's try it. You know, let's just try it just for gin. So we order like the $12 glass of wine, uh, which is like normally two meals at Chick-fil-A for me. Uh, I'm like, that's, I'm drinking two Chick-fil-A meals with this glass of wine. So we, you know, and then you just shift back to like, you know, important conversations on dates. Like, babe, I have, I have two pair of pants and I feel like maybe we're getting to the place where like we need to go to Target and get Ben a third pair of pants. And we're kind of debating, well, do we got the margin for that in our budget? And he walks up and all of a sudden we shift gears to like, I just, I just hate investing in all those companies because it's, I just would rather just sell them rather than manage them, right? And so you just shift gears and then he takes our order and I order a steak because obviously I order a steak and then I blow it by like asking for ketchup and here's the, <laughs> somebody boo, I'm pretty sure somebody booed. Also, spiritual pastoral moment. If you eat your steak with ketchup, don't, don't, don't even joke. He's right. Repent. If you eat your, if you eat your steak with ketchup, stop. Here's the point of that. I promise to add a point. Search for it. There it is. Okay. Here's the point. <clears throat> Man, we, it was, it was honestly a fun night, right? It was a fun night. It was hard for us to keep a straight face. We are conditioned to do that in our life all the time, right? Like we have become experts at just faking it. Just faking it until we can make it, projecting what we think people want to see in us. In our culture, in our community, in, in our demographic, man, we have become artists, whether through social media, whether it's when we're working a room, whether it's when we're meeting somebody, we are amazingly good and amazingly anxious at maintaining how much we feel like we've got to hide and wear a mask and pretend to be somebody that we're not. It affects us. It hits all of us. Uh, We hide. And for reasons like fear, right? For reasons like insecurity, right? Reasons for if if they knew really about me, right? If they knew, right? If they knew that I got my hair cut at Great Clips, I shouldn't belong in this restaurant, right? In our life, if people knew our weaknesses, our sin, our struggles, and they wouldn't really love us. They wouldn't really, they wouldn't really accept us if we were really fully known. And so whether consciously or subconsciously, we navigate through our world hiding all the time. And we come by it naturally. And it has been going on since the origins of man. Look at Genesis 2. Genesis 2, Adam is created. He's placed in the garden He walks with the Lord. He walks with God. God gives him a very specific task. 
He begins to name the animals. They realize that none of these animals, this isn't God's design. Um, We talked about this um, at the last Renovate, uh, that that he was designed for more than that. And and so God says it's time to create woman, right? It's it's time to to actually make this this companion, this partner for you, this this thing that you were designed to have. And uh, then look at verse 23. In chapter 2, verse 23 and 24 uh, this happens when, he, when, when man sees, Adam sees Eve. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Uh, one of the things, and there's been a lot of pastors before me who have made this observation and I love it. This is an original. Uh, but I love that the first thing that happens when man sees woman, like up to this point, man has been naming animals. So it's giraffe, elephant, horse, you know, lemur, I, I, right? He's just naming animals. Woman shows up and it's poetry. Woman shows up and all of a sudden, literally Genesis 2, right here, verse, verses 23, it is Hebrew poetry, right? That's what happens when he sees woman. He's like, oh my goodness. This is so much more than just naming. This is amazing. Uh, and, and he's in awe of it. And then verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. And so at the beginning of our story, right, the story of man, there is this really beautiful picture of a man and a woman who live in a place without shame, without hiding, that does not exist yet. Something goes wrong. Look at chapter three. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Then verse four, but the serpent serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So theologically, chapter three is called the fall. Chapter three in Genesis changes everything. Chapter two, there is no shame. There is no hiding. There is this peace and intimacy between the creator and his creation. And then man sins. Man sins, steps into sin, disobeys, eats of the fruit, and everything changes All of my sin and all of your sin ties back to chapter three in Genesis. Uh, Let me me explain what I mean here. Um, Every symptom of my sin, right? So every symptom of sin that I have, and there's plenty because I'm broken and I'm fallen and I'm this 
creation that's designed to bring glory to God, but I also wrestle with the flesh of, of that that is not yet submitted to him. And so all of the symptoms of my sin, whether they are my pride, whether they are lust, whether it is just selfishness that I wanna do what I wanna do, uh, whether it is coping mechanisms that I choose that are not glorifying to God or you choose that are not glorifying to God in order to numb my stress or numb my pain, all of those things are all symptoms, sin that, that creates brokenness in our life, that drives the brokenness that's already there. But all of those things, all of those things come back to one root issue. They are all branches that come from one root right here in Genesis 3. And it is this root, this sin leaves me broken and ashamed, but it is this root that, that the serpent promised us. It's this root that in verse five says, if I eat of that, then I will be like God. All of your sin ties back somewhere, if you dig deep enough, to the idea that we want to be our own gods. That the, the lie that I was sold in the garden is still the lie that is at the root of my selfishness or my lust or my pride or, or my apathy towards others or, or any of the patterns, whether sins of, of commission or omission, things I do that I shouldn't do, things that I don't do that I should be doing to bring God glory, all of that comes back to the fact of saying, I wanna be my own God. I wanna be like God. I wanna sit on the throne of my own life and I wanna be in control. I wanna gratify my desires whenever I want. If somebody challenges me or humbles me, then it, anger might flare up in me to try to humble them because I wanna be the king of my own heart and my own life and my own kingdom. And so all of our sin ties to that place and to where now all of a sudden there's this brokenness in us rooted from this idea that I don't want to submit, I want to be king, I want to be God. Just like, just like they said would happen. Eat this and you will be like God. And now that is my battle. I want to be like God. I still want to eat of that. Genesis 3, 8 through 10. And they heard the sound so they're now ashamed. They now realize their nakedness. They, they now realize what they've done. They realize the brokenness that's happened. And look at how they hide. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Something happens in, Rome, in Genesis 3. Uh, something happens in Genesis 3 uh, where we see brokenness enter our world. We see shame immediately take root as a partner of that brokenness to where Adam and Eve's response to their sin is to immediately hide themselves. Hide themselves from their creator, who they, who they knew and who they walked intimately with. Um, they hid because they knew they had done wrong. They, they knew that they had sinned. Modern day, we do this all the time. Right? We, we hide ourselves. We, we look at our lives. We look at the context of things going around us and we say, man, I can't be known. Because of my mistakes, because of my circumstances, I'm gonna be what I think they want me to be. 
Some of us are better than others. Sometimes we have seasons where it feels like we get exposed, but it's a constant battle that we wage. Um, There's a few categories here that I want to talk about um, of what we hide. Uh, And one of the reasons that we're doing renovate the way we're doing it is um, I get really excited, and Josh alluded to it. Um, These sermons once a month, they get to be these big 30,000 foot views of these concepts of God and how he's designed us that then we really get to zoom in on in the three weeks that we don't gather in this room because our hope is you will gather in these renovate groups. And so I want to just lay out for us some categories um, that, that honestly the next three weeks we will dig into much more in some videos that we've recorded and, and hopefully in, in your groups if you're in there. But I think, um, I think and we need to be specific. If we're going to really reveal what we struggle with, we've got to be specific. And so here, here are some of the ways, right? Some areas that we hide. One of the areas we hide is we hide our present sin. Right, we, we hide our present sin. And so when we think about the brokenness in our life and, and how we hide and where we hide, um, our present sin is something that for many of us is just right there ever before us. Um, for, for me, there's a lot of them, right? There's a lot of them and, and different seasons. There have been some that have, have been worse. Honestly, I find myself in this season right now really struggling with pride. And pride has always been something that I've struggled with. Um, this season, and just even to get personal, today, I, I have to wage war with my soul because so badly, when I pray through a sermon that I get to come and deliver, I have to wage this war in my soul that says, man, I want them to think I'm great. Man, I want to get off the stage and for them to think, wow, Ben, man, he told that fun story. I like that guy, right? I, I so badly have to battle this calling of getting to preach God's word and making it about him. And yet my flesh, which very really, up until the song before I come on stage, wages war to say, man, I want to make this about me and my glory. And it hides everywhere in my life. It hides everywhere in my life. Whether it's feedback or critique or, or achievements tied to this idea that man, I want people to think that I am great. And it comes from this really wicked place that I want Ben on the throne. And it's this thing that I recognize and I have to constantly kill, constantly take before the Lord, constantly confess. But I don't want to. I want to hide. I want to be falsely humble. I want to pretend that that's not an issue. I want to pretend that I don't struggle with these things. There is sin in your life, present sin in your life, that you probably ask the question, man, if people really knew how much I struggle with this, if people knew my thoughts over the last week, if people knew some of my temptations, if people knew how I acted on some of those temptations, there's present sin we say, man, I don't want anyone to know. We got to hide that. Ashamed. So we bury it. We put on a mask. We share more socially acceptable sins. Honestly, pride's an easy one to confess because it feels a little bit more socially acceptable, but it is just as wicked. If you knew how deep my pride goes, if you really knew how deep my pride goes, you'd be like, oh, that's ugly, Ben. Because it is. What is that for you? Present sin in your life that we hide from. 
There's a whole other category of what we hide. It's not just the present sin in our life. It's also our past. Um, if somebody knew where I've been, what I've done, if somebody knew what's been done to me, those questions play in our head. Uh, when I first started dating Danielle, my wife, um, she had, um, before we started dating, she had been in a really toxic, and, and I asked her permission, of course, um, to share the story, but she had been in a really toxic um, relationship, and there was a lot of sexual sin in that relationship, and a lot of manipulation um, that she was just stuck in this, um, this relationship. And so when we started dating, uh, she had this past, and, and specifically this past relationship uh, that to the glory of God and I think to the work of faith in her life on our second date, uh, which, you know, is amazing. On our second date, she just pulled me aside um, after our date um, and we were with a big group of people and, and all hanging out and kind of the date had wrapped up. But she just, she was like, man, I really need to basically share this and, and stop hiding from this and let him know um, kind of where she'd been and what had happened. But it was this, I watched this woman who I obviously fell in love with. And, and obviously for me, I got, I didn't see her past, right? I just, I got to see this woman of who Christ had created her to be as a new creation. And that wasn't her and that didn't define her and that didn't ruin her, but her past and her mind and so many of our minds and your minds, you think, man, my past has ruined me. If somebody knows what I've done, I have such a pattern. If people knew the pattern of, of sin or hurt, if people knew what had happened to me. And we hide that and we bury it. For her, there was just this amazing freedom to, to get to reveal that. But man, our past is something. It's not just our present sin, it's our past. And I, I wanna be real sensitive too. It's not just the past that we've done, it's things that have been done to us. It makes us, makes us feel ashamed that, that the gospel is gonna solve here in a second, but it's there. And we got to stare at it. And the third category, that again, the next three weeks, we'll really dig into these, I think, some really sweet ways, um, but is our weakness, right? It's not just I want to hide present sin. It's not just I want to hide my past. It's I want to hide just my weakness, not even just sin. I just, I want to be seen as, as great. I don't want people to know uh, about weaknesses in my life or, or weaknesses in your life. You don't want to reveal that. I spent a lot of time this week um, praying for sorority girls. Um, I know this audience is predominantly post-college, but right now uh, there is, at TCU, there's sorority recruitment happening this week. Um, and I, I've just spent a lot of time this week praying for those sisters uh, who are going through that week, as fun and as sweet as that community can be and how much God can utilize uh, you know, Greek life in really sweet ways that I've seen. Um, my heart breaks thinking about, um, honestly, my heart breaks thinking about a lot of freshmen, daughters of the king, who are so paralyzed this week to not show any of their weaknesses, to, to put on whatever masks they need to put on so that they can be chosen by another organization. And already to see that defeat in some of them. And then tomorrow is this big reveal day 
that breaks my heart to, to, to see the exhaustion of that kind of a culture. And we do it in our work environment. We do it in our families. We do it in the dating world. We want to hide any weakness we have so that they can't see our weakness. It is exhausting and it is not the way we were designed in Genesis 2. So there is this problem and this problem has this sweet, sweet solution. Look what, look what God does. He finds them hiding. The fall has happened. Brokenness has entered our world. And then in verse 21 of chapter 3, it says, and this is a short sentence, so important. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. What did the God of the universe do when his creation betrayed him? What did the God of the universe do when he saw his people break the one command that he had said to say, I'm going to be God and you submit to me and this is how our intimacy and fellowship is going to work best because this is how we're designed. And, and they say, no, I want to be our own gods. And what does he do? They feel naked and unashamed and he doesn't lecture them. He goes and he sacrifices an animal. The first sacrifice in the history of creation, he sacrifices an animal and clothes them with its skin. He makes the first garments to clothe his kids who are now hiding in their own shame. That's our God's response in chapter three, right in the midst of the fall and the brokenness of man. He clothed them. The very first sacrifice. It is a foreshadowing of the solution that will come that frees us from having to hide. Because he sacrifices this animal and spills its blood and takes its skin and covers his creation. And it is this beautiful foreshadowing to the ultimate sacrifice of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ, where our God said, this is broken. This doesn't work. You are far from me. You are hurting. You are stuck in your sin. Your roots are deep in your own worship. And I desire to know you and be known by you. And so I will clothe you with righteousness because that's the only way we can do this. A holy God and a broken people stuck in our mud, I will clothe you with righteousness. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ shows up. 2,000 years ago, Jesus hangs on a cross, lived a perfect life, lived a righteous life, died, rose again. And now for those who have faith, those who truly trust, those who say, yes, that is my hope, that is my savior, I will no longer be my own king. That is my king. He belongs on the throne of my life. That submission to that God, that sacrifice on our part to say my life is no longer my own, it then allows us to be clothed with righteousness. And that's the solution for our hiding. The grace of God, what he modeled in Genesis 3 of a sacrifice where he then took animal skins and covered creation that was ashamed foreshadowing to this beautiful picture of Jesus Christ sacrificing himself to cover us who are hiding, no longer have to hide. Righteousness was manifested, Romans 3 says. It was manifested in the person of Christ. And so now we get to be covered in Christ's righteousness. And his grace then frees us to no longer hide. And so no longer do we have to do that. 
all of the problem, all of the tension, all of the stress of, man, I've got to pretend that I've got it all together. What Josh talked about, we talk about every, every time we welcome anyone into a worship environment, we own the fact that, man, we're broken people. This isn't about our righteousness. Because of the grace of God, we can take down our masks and we can stop hiding. Here are my two big prayers the last two weeks for this sermon. My two big prayers for you guys and you guys streaming. My two big prayers were one, both of these things are things that I do not have the ability to do. I in no way have have the adequacy or ability or design to do these things. And so my first prayer is that the Holy Spirit tonight, whenever you're watching this, would reveal to us a deeper understanding of the grace of God. The gospel that so many of us have heard time and time and time again. So many of us have heard Jesus hung on a cross and died and if I put my faith then I'm covered and I have grace. But we don't understand. We don't really understand. Repentance is the idea of walking away from sin, walking towards God. It's that life change. But scripture is very clear. How repentance happens is his kindness. It's we see his kindness and then we repent. But so often I say, no, no, I want to get all cleaned up. I want to get all cleaned up and I want to get presentable to God. And then I want to be able to approach God. And yet the reality is, no, no, no. He meets us in our brokenness and says, you can't clean yourself up. Do I really understand that in a way that has transformed my ability to come out of hiding? Do I really believe his grace? Do I understand the depth and the size and the scope of his grace? That my weaknesses don't have to be things I hide from, they can be things I boast in. Second Corinthians 12, nine and 10, Paul says, But he says to me, because he understands, he says to me, my grace is sufficient for you. He understands his grace. He understands God's grace. God's grace is sufficient by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul understood his grace. And so he says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So weakness is actually, my weakness actually makes Christ's power even more palpable. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. So the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do we understand? Oh, Lord, would you help us tonight to understand your grace over our weaknesses that I can actually boast in them? Over my past, oh Lord, would you help me understand that your grace is sufficient for where I've been and what I've done. I know there are people in here who feel paralyzed and stuck because of your past and you feel like I've gotta stay hiding. I don't have the power to convince you to come out of hiding. So our prayer is tonight the Holy Spirit would help you understand, daughter, come out of hiding. My grace is sufficient for your past. Son, come out of hiding. My grace is sufficient for your past. 
and our present sin, our present temptations and, and the things we get stuck in and the patterns that we, we rope ourselves into that our God says, understand my kindness. That the Holy Spirit would just let us be in awe of his grace tonight. And then the second prayer over you for the last couple of weeks is not only that we would deepen, that the Lord would do what only the Lord could do in deepening our understanding of his grace, but that the Lord would also give us the faith to put it in practice. That we wouldn't just leave here with a better understanding of God's grace. We wouldn't just leave here and be like, oh man, a grace, that was encouraging. Yeah, that we would actually put it in practice. And here's what that looks like, and it's scary. It is scary as hell, but it is really good because you're designed for it. What it looks like to put it in practice is to be known in community that is centered on the gospel. We talk about renovate groups, or if you're in college ministry, we talk about family nights, or if you come here on Sunday morning, they talk about home groups. We talk about those things, not because we care about numbers, of people in groups. We talk about them because we're designed to be known. My hope is that you would leave here, not just with a deeper understanding, but you would leave here inspired and challenged by God to put it in practice, which means finding community, stepping into that community and saying, hey, this is my weakness. Hey, this is my sin hey, this is where I've been, this is what I struggle with, and letting the community of God speak grace into those places in your life. Don't just leave here and think, man, that was encouraging, I'm gonna listen to that sermon as a pep talk next time, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to 2 Corinthians 12 next time I, I need encouragement. Put it in practice. Be known by believers who've experienced grace practically, If you're not in community, get in community. Before you leave this place, find someone, talk to Brooke, talk to Robert. Just get more information on what that looks like so you can walk out the grace that you have been designed to live out. Man, to be fully known is so scary. To be really fully known, what a scary thing. But to be fully known and then also fully loved from that place, that is the power of Christ. You are here for a reason, and I believe God wants more of that in your life to set you free from your hiding. Let me pray over you, and then let's respond to that. Father, thank you um, for just how you love us, God. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for the simple truth that you love us. You love us right where we're at. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. While we were still far off, you met us on that road. God, we see your grace. We see your grace within the first chapter of the introduction of sin. And we see your grace all throughout your word. All throughout our lives. But God, our faith is still weak and we still struggle to really believe and understand, could you really love us that much? Could your grace really be that powerful to forgive, to clean, to make new, to restore? Tonight, only because of the Holy Spirit, would we be able to say yes to that? Would we be able to respond from the depths of our soul 
as we worship a God who meets us where we're at and calls us to community to put that in practice so that we might experience how you love us. We are grateful. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work he wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.